I'm going to read you guys something real quick. And if the band can just start, just uh, play behind me. You can start your song. But before we uh, begin today, I just want to pray. And uh, as we reflect on God and what he's doing, I just want you to take time this morning and just, uh, just close your eyes for a moment and just think of God as a creator, savior, and Lord. As we reflect on him that he created us and he has made us saints and disciples. And so I'm going to read you something in Philippians 4, 6 to 7. It says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition. Any of you guys deal with anxiousness? And it says, Every, any of you guys deal with being stressed? I feel a little stressed out right now. But it says, instead of focusing on stress, it says, focus on thanksgiving. Do the opposite of what you're feeling, because sometimes our feeling doesn't present what, uh, what, what is reality. Sometimes our feeling exaggerates our reality, and we start to begin to think that our feelings are our reality, when really our reality is something altogether different. If we are Christians, or if you are trying to learn about Christianity, Christianity is about that God is absolutely in control from the beginning to the end. Even sin itself, God did not lose control of sin. It was His way to redeem us. So in that, it says, present your request and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart, your mind, in Christ Jesus. So I'm going to pray. Let's pray together. And some of us, we need to pray this prayer. But it says, Dear Lord, help us remember what a difference it makes when we make time with you as a priority this morning. Awaken me in body, spirit today with a desire to meet with you and hear from you. Speak words of affirmation, assurance, and wisdom over my heart right now, God. I need you. Prepare me to be aware of you and your holy moments right now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
Amen. Good morning. Merry early Christmas. Too early? No. All right. You guys can be seated this morning. Um, we're going to do something a little different, and John will explain a little bit more. We're going we're gonna to worship in song, and then we're, he's going to teach us, and then we're going to respond um, in worship. Amen. Um, sometimes you come in, I know you went running the door, and you just had some coffee, and you're like, worship, and you're like, all right. So we're going we're gonna to teach a little bit and then give you guys a chance to, to sort of go into a, a response session. Um, so, um, so welcome to Hill City Church, um, and uh, we're glad to have you guys. Um, passionate about Jesus this morning. Man, I'm just excited about um, what God's doing. And uh, man, I just, uh, I'm going to pray for us and uh, have our guys uh, assemble and do the offering. They're getting ready back there, so we're going to move quickly this morning. Alan, get going. No, just kidding. Um, and we'll have the guys walk forward and start handing it out. So um, I'm going to pray, and we're going to get right to this so uh, we can open it up to John and uh, have him teach. Amen? Amen. So I'm going to pray. God, praise you for this morning. We thank you for, thank you for our church that we get to come in here and worship you this morning. And I don't mean just in song or, or clapping our hands, but we get to worship with our lives. And part of that is just an obedience to come in here and listen to your word and be changed by it and have it come into and affect us. And uh, so, God, I pray that this morning we be affected by the word. We be affected by the worship. And let us be open to your presence, God, open to be changed. And, uh, God, be, we ask for your presence to be just so strong in this place this morning, God. We love you. We love you. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Good morning. So we're doing something different. I think a lot of times we uh, worship, uh, but uh, what I wanted to do is I wanted to present to you who Jesus is so we can worship him. So uh, do you understand what, uh, what we're doing? Where I want to present to you the names of Jesus found in, uh, in Isaiah, but so that we can worship him, so we desire to worship him. So uh, we just uh, took a little bit of time to open up, but I, if you're a guest, my name is John. So glad that you're here, but right from the get-go, I want to tell you something, and I want you to just hear me right from the get-go. Today is about our responding and not our receiving. I'm going to say that again. Today, it's about our responding and not our receiving. Some of us, we come to receive, but I, I, I bet you that if we came to respond, there would be a different sort of receiving for our soul or receiving for our mind. Because if we respond to who God is. That is the Christian life. The Christian life is not so that we, oh God, I'm going to do this for you so that you do this for me. It's not a handshake. The Christian life is understanding who, what God has done in his complete story from creation to new creation and responding, dear God, if that is the God who is with me and if that is the God who loves me, how will I respond in my worship? How will I respond in my life, in my, in my parenting, in my giving, in my loving my neighbor? There is a response to God when we understand who God is. So we're going to get right into this. So, so I believe that, uh, that our responding is more important than our receiving, and it's about God receiving from us. And, and I want you to participate in this, our adoration, our attention. And I love it when someone, uh, when, uh, when someone comes in, into a service or even into your life. I, I love it when I meet someone and say, and, 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 and much like John, John, uh, I'm here to bring something to this place. Right? And in the same way, when we come into a, a service, into a, in, into a, into a room, or into your, uh, into your family, and they say, I'm here to bring something into your family. And in the same way, what if we respond to God saying, you know, I'm not just showing up here. I'm here to bring something. I'm here to bring a sacrifice of praise. I'm here to make this place, uh, this church that we call Hill City, something better because I'm here, because I know I'm bringing something, because I'm all part of the family. If you, if you came to a family potluck with nothing in your hands, your family looks down on you like, oh, here goes Mark again. He never brings anything. All right. He brought the $2 salad bag from Walmart, right? And you, and you don't want to be the guy who brings nothing, right, to a family dinner because they know you forever. You remember, that? You remember in 92 when you brought nothing for Christmas dinner and you were supposed to bring the turkey? You don't want to be that guy or that gal, right? And, and, and in the same way, I believe in view of the gospel, God's great plan, God's restoration, we are understanding that this life, 
this, this service, what we do as work, what we do as family is God's party. This life is God's party, right? And we've just been invited. And, and if we're invited and we're in on this, let's live like that. So during the Christmas season, full of festivities and, and celebration, which is all good stuff. I love celebrating. But let us enhance our joy in seeing all of it in the light of Jesus, God with us, and in response, us with him. Think about that. It's not just God with us. Please don't let it end there. It has to be, God, if you're with us, I want to be with you. I want to be with you in on what you're doing. So with that in mind, if you have your Bibles, please turn to Psalms 63. We celebrate the word of God because it reveals Jesus, and Jesus changes our life. He is, Jesus is the only thing that can transform a life. And I, I, it's not just transforming your ideas, but bringing your spirit from life, from death to life. That's what we're doing. See, and so in Psalms uh, 63, we, we are reading about David, verse 1 to 3. And in David, he has a deep understanding of God. He has a deep understanding of what worship is, what life is about. And he says this. He says, Oh God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you. In this dry and weary land where there is no water. This is David worshiping God in the desert. And he's saying, God, I need you more than water. I thirst for you more than I thirst for water. And honestly, when was the last time you've entered into a place or entered into a, a service where you say, God, I thirst for you. I thirst for you. When was the last time you walked into your house, into your quiet place, if you read your Bible in the morning or, or whatever you do in your devotional time, and you're saying, God, I am thirsting for you. I want you more than anything. I want you more than what my desires are. I, want, I need you. I need you. And that's David's reply here. This is, how he, this is what worship really is. It's not just singing. It's a heart of thirsting and understanding who God is, saying, God, in this today at Hill City Church, right here, in what we're doing, I'm not here for anything else. I'm here for you more than my breakthroughs, more than my needs, more than my answered prayers. I want you. I have to have you. I have to have you. And I believe that's the entrance into true worship. That's the entrance into true transformation. Our transformation is not found by some good line that John gives you from the Bible. Our transformation is found when we realize who God really is and who we really are and what is possible and what can happen in the presence of God. And we were saying, that's what I want, God. That's what I want. In verse uh, 2 to 3, it says, so I have looked upon your sanctuary, beholding your power and glory. I know who you are. I've seen your power. Verse 3, because your steadfast love is better than life, my lips will praise you. Say, my lips will praise you. Oh, let's say it like we mean it. My lips will praise you. So I will bless you as long as I live in your name, and I will lift up my hands. Say, I will lift up my hands. See, the response of David is a praise from his lips, but it's a physical demonstrative action as well. It's not saying I'm going to give you leftovers. It's like, it's like being at the Broncos Super Bowl, but 10 times better, right? Because Simeon is not throwing that day. But I love this. I love this. It's my lips. It's my hands. And now this in mind, go to Isaiah 9-6. So in, in Isaiah, just to, to give you some heads up, in Isaiah, Isaiah was written 600 years before Jesus. 600 years before Jesus. They have found books and collections of Isaiah called the Dead Sea Scrolls that, are, that were found, hundred that were aged 150 B.C., before Christ, and it talks about Jesus all over Isaiah. It's crazy, and it's found before Christ. It's actually coming to Denver in 2018, so we should go, all right, to go see it, which is pretty cool that we get to see an actuality of a book talking about Jesus before Jesus, right? So uh, I, I can go off on that, but I will not, right? 
But uh, here Isaiah is talking about Jesus before Jesus, and he says in Isaiah 9, 6, For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor. Say, Wonderful Counselor. Ever Mighty God. Say, Mighty God. Everlasting Father. Prince of Peace. I'm going to say this over again because that was super lame, guys. All right? Super lame. Oh, wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. These are the names of Jesus. I know that names don't have that much meaning now. We, I mean, we go on baby sites and we look up names like, oh, that sounds like a great name for them. Or we hear a name on TV and it, it, does that character, do I like that character? Yes, I do. You get that name, right? We want it to be different and original and we want it to have the same letters as the last kid. And so we, ha we have all these ways of naming. But back in the day, a name was a big deal, right? It revealed something about the person, something about their character, and what, their, what the parents really felt about this child. And so when Isaiah speaks of the names of Jesus, they reveal the character of God, who Jesus is, what he's about, and what he will accomplish. So today I want to focus on two names, and throughout this Christmas season, I'm going to focus on the names of Jesus, and then we're going to respond to those names. That's what we're doing, all right? We're going to learn about what, who Jesus is, what Isaiah has named him, what God has called him, and then we're going to respond in, in response to who he is. And like David, right now, I want you to ready your heart. Just take a moment. Just bow your heads. God, ready my heart. Maybe I wasn't ready before. But I, God, make me like 10 times more passionate than John speaking this message because you're readying my heart and I want to bring you something, God. I want to bring you a prayer. I want to bring you a praise. I want to bring you an understanding of who you are in my life. You are God Almighty. You are wonderful counselor. And I pray embed that deep in my soul so that every time I step into a moment in, in collaborative worship, in collaborative hearing of your word, I am, I am ready to hear from you. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen. Mighty God. Mighty God. What if I told you today that I am God, right? I am God. I'm just, I just want to tell you that I've come to rule and reign, to save, to restore creation, and you can trust me, and you can submit to me, and you're welcome. I am Korean Jesus, right? You'd be like, get out. What I would desire for you if I was serious is for everyone to walk out. That is my desire for you, right? I know that is crazy to hear that. It's outlandish. But, uh, but, I, I, but normally when a man says he is God, it's not good, right? We know of things like uh, the, the Branch Davidian in Waco, Texas, where he, was, he said he was Jesus and he held this compound down. And we know about the drinking of the crazy Kool-Aid back in the day. But these people, they wanted complete control. They didn't want love. They, they were breaking. They wanted you to break every outside relationship. And Jesus would never say, you know what I want you to do? Is I want you to have no connection to this world so I can control you. There would be none of that in the Bible. Instead, he says, go into all the world, right? And so dudes normally who say that I'm Jesus have many wives because many dudes are perverts, all right? So, so here, he, so, but here, he, Jesus is, is saying, I am God. And it's shocking. It's shocking in this moment. It, it, just imagine saying this to a group of Jewish people that believed in Yahweh God. For thousands of years, the Jewish people believed in Yahweh, serving Yahweh God. They were the last people ever to agree that, oh yeah, I and the Father are one. What are you talking about, Jesus? This would sound nuts. They set up a culture against the Romans, who had many gods, the Philistines, many gods, who had the Egyptians, who Pharaoh was God, right? And, and, and so when Jesus comes on the scene and says, I am the Father are one, this is a very difficult thing. You would think that Jewish people would just agree, no. There is no way that if, if out of all the cultures that would disagree, it's, it's, the, it's the Israelites, all right? 
So when Jesus comes on the scene, he says this. It says in John uh, 5, 17, 18, but Jesus answered him, I, my father, have been working until now, and I have been working. Therefore, the Jews sought all the more to kill him because he not only broke the Sabbath, but he also said that God is his father, making him equal with God. Uh, and, and, and we have to understand culture why that's so. We're like, huh, that doesn't make sense. He said he and the Father, are, are, he, he is the Son of God. Why does why that make him equal with God? If we, if in, in the Jewish culture, the oldest son had the same weight as the Father. So all the inheritance would go to the oldest son. This is a cultural, so we have to understand culturally why he's saying this and why people are mad, right? And we could go deeper into that, but I won't. But this was the circumstance Jesus comes into, and he begins his ministry. And he doesn't just say, I'm God. He becomes, he starts to do things what God would do. And I want us to listen up. If Jesus was here today in Thornton, what would he do? What would he do? Because that's what we're in on. We're not in on just, uh, oh, it's Christmas time. Let's sing about Jesus, baby Jesus in a manger. It's silent night. It wasn't that silent of a night. There was shepherds everywhere, animals everywhere, people coming in from all over the place. It wasn't that silent. There was a host of angels singing on that night. I wouldn't think it was a silent night. I think it was really crazy. I was like, this is the craziest night ever. <laughs> I, I, if I even told someone about this night, they would not believe me. But this is what's going on. So Jesus, what he does is to show his deity, the blind see, the lame walk, the outcasts are welcome, the oppressed are set free. Jesus brings his heavenly kingdom. He speaks with authority. He casts out demons. He raises people from the dead. Even the storms listen to him. People experience God when Jesus was here. He, they experienced God and he was restoring the world back to how it used to be. That's what Jesus is doing. And that's what we're doing. As Christians, we're not just making, we're not just doing good things. We're restoring the world how to back to how God made it to be. That is, that is the mission of Christianity. The mission of Christianity is not to be a good boy and a good girl. It is to restore what once was in heaven. And it's going to be in the new heavens and the new earth will have that same restoration. I was, I was in class, uh, I, I got to go to a conference this week in Breckenridge, and they were just talking about what heaven would be like. And when you ask uh, normal, I would say m most people, and you don't, Christian or not, they would think that heaven is like, I don't know, some place we play harps and we, 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 we turn to babies and we have wings, right? You, when, anytime they have things of heaven, they, it, it's, it's interesting. It's like baby winged harp players. I don't know how that happened. But that is our, what is, what is your glimpse of heaven? Because if we don't understand our glimpse of heaven, then what are we actually living for? What are we shooting for? Did you know that the very foundations of Eden, talking about gold and onyx, the very physicalness of Eden is also in heaven. So heaven is a physical place. Think about this. This is interesting. I shouldn't go this way, but I am. All right. Do you know that in heaven that we will have jobs because jobs were created before the sin, that you will actually be known for who you are and have the job that you had? I don't know. We're going to be out of a job probably, most likely, right? When God is glorified, I'm not going to be speaking. I'm like, he's right there. He's right there. And, and, and so you're going to have jobs and businesses, and it's going to be physical. You're going to have relationships, but it's going to be the way it should have been in Eden. So if we're expecting flying babies and harps, then we have no idea what we're going for. But if you're expecting peace with your family for the first time, cancer no longer eating at my mom's body, and she is made whole. If relationships that were broken are now made right in Christ, and the things that were just sinful and disgusting are no longer there, and the glory of God is shining because he is mighty God. He is no longer this, this, uh, this uh, suffering servant, and we see him him in his glory and everything is made right and we are walking and speaking in communion with God. That is a different heaven I'm talking about. And that is the mighty God that we're serving. And that's why when Jesus came in Colossians 2.9, people started to write, for in Christ lives all the fullness of God in humanity. Everything about God is in this guy. Everything that is fully God is in him. And in Hebrews 1, 3, he says, The radiance of the glory of God which, and the exact imprint of his nature, he upholds the universe by his word and power. Meaning that 
Jesus is the center of everything that means to be God. Over and over again, Jewish writers would write about Jesus as God. The people that were the last people that would ever say those words. So I want to remind us today, he's more than a good teacher. He's more than a philosopher. He's more than just a sacrifice. He is mighty God. And in the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow in heaven and on earth. And every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord forever. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and he will be called mighty God and this God is with us and this God and we are with him and with that in mind and in the light of understanding this mighty God let us respond rightly right now in worship let's stand
before you right now. We come to you, Lord, in worship. Just offering up everything we have, everything that we are unto you right now. Unto your name, your mighty name, the name of Jesus. God, just fill this place, fill this room right now, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. We worship you today, Lord.
out for him today. He's right here. Spirit of God, fall fresh on us. We need your presence. Your kingdom come, your will be with me today. A miracle can happen. Come on, do you believe that today? For the Spirit of the Lord is here. The evidence is all around. That the Spirit Do anything. 
remain standing as I start closing. We know him as mighty God, but we also know him as wonderful counselor. 
He's a counselor. He's more than a teacher. A teacher speaks to a whole class, he or she. He speaks and then they listen. The teacher is focused on everyone, but the counselor is one-on-one, -on -one, life on life. A counselor listens. A counselor cares for the person right in front of them. A counselor walks with them. Jesus is a wonderful counselor. Think of what that means to us. Yes, he's mighty God. Yes, he's master. Yes, he's creator, but he is counselor, mighty God. God who cares for the person, for you and for me. In Psalms, David writes in Psalms 8, when I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place. He's saying, when I look at creation, you made it, God. And then he says this, what am I, who, what is man that you are mindful of him? What is the son of man you care for him? David is saying, I can't believe you think of me. We have a God that thinks of us. We have a God that cares for us. That's mind-blowing. I don't know about you, but that's mind-blowing. Nowhere in the history of the world was there ever a God in any other religion that cares for you, that thinks of you. He doesn't want what you're doing. He's doing. He sent Christ for you. Think about that. The God of the galaxies, the God of the mountains, since we're Coloradans, we love the mountains. The God of the atoms and the photons. This mighty God is my wonderful counselor. How captivating and beautiful is that thought. He thinks of me here in Thornton, driving my minivan in my tears, in my joy. Think of that. A God. Think of the implications. Think of the understanding of a God that is with us and for us. And a counselor. Yes, he loves the world, but he loves me and you. And he cares for us. He cares for our hangups. He cares for our struggles. He cares for our confusion. He cares that we have hope. He cares that we understand our future. And I hope that moves you. I know that we are in, some of us are in situation where we think that God doesn't care. I'm telling you, that's when we have to look back at our wonderful counselor, Jesus Christ, and understand he cares for me. He cares for you. Not a better version of you. Not when you get your act together. No, not when you're good or he, no, no, no. He cares for you right now. Some of us have been seeing this wrong. We thought it was about our goodness and our work, so Jesus was a tool for a better me, and faith was focused on me. And when a faith, when our faith is focused on us and our betterment of ourselves, it begins to sour. It does. I'm telling you. Try it. Just pour in yourself all you want. You know people that just pour into themselves and they talk about themselves. Everything begins to sour. It does. And that's not our faith. Others of us, we've made faith just a philosophy, but we did not want to join in on the mission. That's the difference between watching football and playing football, right? That's the difference between being a customer and being a co-worker with Jesus. If you are bored with faith, it's because it's informational faith and not activating faith. If nothing really changed when we began to follow Jesus, maybe we're not fully following. We understand what following looks like, but we're not doing the following because Jesus changes everything about the meaning of our lives. Others of us, we've been deeply hurt, and, I, and I'm not taking this lightly. Others of you guys have been legitimately hurt very, very deeply. Or we legitimately hurt someone very, very deeply. And we said, there's no way, God. God, you can't use me. Or God is, God is just, I can't, God. We've been hurt deeply. And then it, bitterness starts to build up. Sadness begins to build up. You build walls so no one can ever hurt you again or you'll never hurt again. But those same walls that keep people out are the same walls that keep people from you. And now you feel isolated. You feel alone. And those are the same walls and the same areas of your life that God cannot be master of. Listen. I just want to tell you this. I just want to be blunt. We cannot change ourselves. If we could, we would. We could not change our darkness. We can try better and be better, but that same darkness, if you've ever dealt with temptation, it comes back again. It comes back again. And if we think we can handle sin, that is absolute foolishness. It will crush you. 
If, you want, if we want to do it on our own and saying, Jesus, you are good information, but I can handle this. How many times have you heard, I can handle this? And, 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 and then they're still addicted to heroin. They're still cheating on their wives or their husbands. They're still going down the wrong road. You know what that means? We cannot handle sin. We don't need just the good information or self-help. We need the God, the creator God who loves us, who is our wonderful counselor that will heal our hearts to change us from death to life from self-help to the work of Jesus Christ. So today, would you ask Jesus, just bow your heads with me. Would you ask Jesus to be your wonderful counselor, to heal you? I know I sound excited, but I am. This message is healing me. Would, would you ask him to care for you, to forgive you, to give you his peace, his shalom, to open up our life to his mission, his purpose? You cannot stay the same and be like Jesus. But also, would you be bold enough, if God is speaking to your hearts right now, would you be bold enough to take a step of faith? Some of us, we've been Christians a long time, and our faith is drowning because we have not stepped into co-working with Jesus. Others of us, we've, we don't know about this faith, but we know we need something different. We've, we come to church now because we, we believe in Jesus. We're here because we need another way. We need a more, we need purpose for our lives. We need purpose for our families. And we're here to say, God, if you're real, do something. Transform that in me. If you're real, change that in me. If you're real, move, Lord God. Move that mountain, Lord God. Move that temptation. I've tried it myself and I cannot. Would you take a step, step of faith and just take this prayer in with, with me? Here is the prayer. I'm going to pray over you, and I just want you to agree and respond to this prayer. God, I'm so tired. I've been living, but I still don't feel fully alive. I feel empty. I carry these fears. I carry this anxiety, and the anxiety is so overwhelming me, and I don't even understand where it comes from. I carry these fears, these pains, these hurts, these confusions, and I thought I was strong enough, but I'm not, God. I need a mighty God to save me and a wonderful counselor to help me, to love me, to walk with me, to give rest for my soul and purpose for my life. God, I'm taking the faith and I'm reaching out to you. I'm responding to the worship. I'm responding to the word of God. I'm reaching out to you, God. God, do that work in me. Lord, I just pray in Jesus' name, we pray. Please sing this last song with me. Come on, lift up your voice. With me. Lifted me up. Come on, worship him like he's mighty God. Oh, when there was death, you brought life. Oh, when there was fear, you brought courage. And when I was afraid, you were with me. You lifted me up.
Let's raise our voice. God for us, and nothing can come against. No one can stand between us. God with us. God for us, and nothing can come against. Yes. No one can stand between us. Heavenly Father, you're with us. We're, you're for us, but let us also respond and say, we are for you, God. We are for you. My life is in response to my mighty God and my wonderful counselor. We thank you for the word of God. It, it's the word of God that sets us free. We thank you that Jesus sets our soul free. It's not just a sinfulness that's set free, Lord. It is a soul that is set free. And as we leave this place as that we call family, that we call the Hill City, Lord God, I pray we go out out there and we let people know and we live a life that God is with us and God is for us understanding nothing can come against us when you are with us and when we're for us who am I that you are mindful of me God that is the wonderful counselor of our soul Lord God we thank you we honor you in Jesus name we pray and everyone said amen God bless you get to know one another God bless you thank you for coming here